0: kind of as i've fallen into the habit of as we've been in the prologue i've been going back and reading everything leading up to and so we're going to continue to do that because i think it helps us to remember where we've gone but it also helps us to see where we're going and not just read a few verses kind of out of context so we're going to read starting in verse one uh, but we're going to focus on verses 12 and 13 uh, today in the beginning was the word and the word was with god Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Have you ever had a situation that you needed help to get out of? I'm sure that all of us at some point have needed others' help. Uh, We just continue to compound things and make things worse. Maybe we get ourselves backed into a a corner and we don't know what to do on our own. And so we turn to those around us for help. Oftentimes we get into so much trouble that we don't know what to do. Sometimes we we simply can't see that we need help. You think about the addict, uh, the drug abuser, or maybe the alcohol abuser who is so deep in it that they can't see the help that they need. Or maybe those who get themselves under a mountain of debt, and it just never seems like we can claw our way out enough. For many of us, we like to think that there's no situation in life that we can't get ourselves out of, right? It's the American dream, it's the American ideal. If you're down, what do you need to do? Buck up, work harder, do more. You can get there if you try. But the reality is that when we consider our problems, any problems we might consider, uh, what we have to see is that our problem, our real problem, is far greater than we could have ever possibly imagined. It's a problem that we cannot deal with on our own. It's not a problem that we can go to, I don't know, do people go to bookstores anymore? Uh, You can go to bookstores, some people I guess and find a help, self-help book for, right? Our problem's greater than that because our problem is that we are completely alienated from the God of the universe. We are lost in our trespasses and sin, and there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. That's our problem. And John comes and tells us that there is a solution to our problem. He tells us about the true light that shined in the world, and as we saw last week, was also rejected by the world. Because that's the reality. The rebellion, our rebellion against God is our great problem. It is the great problem of mankind that we are living as aliens and strangers to God. We are his enemies. And John in his gospel... Gives us the solution. Do you want to live counterculturally? Do you want to live differently than this world? Do you want to be reconciled to God? Then here's the answer. If you've ever wanted to know the answer, here's the answer. I'm going to give it to you, so just hold your horses. But all who did receive and believed in his name, he gave the right to be children of God. What is the answer? What is the great answer to the world's problem? And it's, it's a wonderful answer because it's the easy, not easy, uh, what's the right word? It's the answer when I was growing up and in Sunday school, they said, if you don't know the answer, just say Jesus, Right? That's the answer. The answer is Jesus. John tells us the answer to life's problems, to the problem of sin, and it's Jesus. And we're going to see this in three points this morning. We're going to see the mark of faith, the right of faith, and the change of faith. The mark of faith, the right of faith, and the change of faith. Let's begin by looking at the mark of faith. There is a basic difference uh, in how mankind responds to God. And the reality is uh, that men only respond in one of two ways when it comes to Jesus. They either receive and accept him for who he is, or they reject him. Uh, That is the reality of this world. That you either have faith in Jesus, or you don't. John will later say in John 3.36, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. When we look at the world around us, we recognize all kinds of differences. We might say some people are rich and some people are poor. We might say that some people are educated while other people are uneducated. We might see powerful. We might see weak. We might see the moral and the immoral. Uh, We live in a time where our political differences are often the great divider amongst people. But the reality is that we all fall into one of two categories. We either have faith in Jesus or we don't. Because the world, apart from Jesus, is all united under the guilt and curse of sin. Regardless of any other distinction that you might want to put on there, there are only two categories. Children of God, not children of God. Lost in transgression and sin, saved by the grace of God. That is it. And if faith in Christ is the great distinction in this world... Then the question becomes, what does it mean to have faith in Jesus? What does it mean to have faith in Jesus? Faith involves believing and receiving Jesus Christ as he has revealed himself in his saving person and work. We must receive Jesus As he has offered himself, this is what it says here in verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What does it mean to believe in the name of Jesus? Jesus. Jesus, or as he's often called the Christ has come in a very specific way. And the reality is that people can't really deny the fact of Jesus, right? Jesus was a person at some point in time who made some sort of historical wave in the church, in, in, in Jerusalem. It's, it's a fact of history. What do you do with that fact is the question. Is simply acknowledging that Jesus was a person enough? John in his later epistle, First John will say this. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God. God abides in him. And he in God. It is not simply enough to acknowledge Jesus. To say yeah Jesus existed. It's more than that. We have to confess. Jesus as God. To deny Jesus. To reject his deity. Is to reject him. Jesus confronts his own disciples on this. uh, As we look in, in the the gospels where he says well who do you guys think i am And we see this from matthew 16 and jesus came to cesare philippi and asked the disciples who do people say that the son of man is and some said john the baptist others say elijah or others jeremiah or one of the prophets and he said to them who do you say that i am simon peter replied you are the christ you are the son of the living god and Jesus answered him, "Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven." Jesus is Christ, Messiah, Son of God. Uh, Christ means anointed one. He comes as the anointed one. He came to to fulfill a task. Uh, When you look at the, the idea of anointed one, and particularly in the context of Israel, there were three offices that were anointed in the Old Testament. Prophet, priest, king, and all of them pointed to this anointed one. As Peter said, you are Christ, you are anointed, you are son of the living God. And a refusal of Christ in any of these functions, again, is a refusal of him. So if we refuse to accept God's word as he has revealed himself, then we are refusing to accept Jesus as prophet, as the one who reveals God's word to us. If we refuse the cross, we reject the cross, then we are rejecting Christ as Priest. That he didn't come to save us as the great high priest. To refuse to accept him as Lord of our life is to refuse him as our king. We must instead receive him, believe in him, bend the knee to be ruled by him, to yield and obey. He is anointed. He is Christ and so we must receive him as a as as sheep goes to the shepherd, as John will say in John 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. The problem is sin, and the answer is Jesus. And in some ways, we go, man, is it that simple? And you go, yeah, but no. No. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's simple, but it's not. We tend to think of simple. I think we tend to think of not complex, not full of depth, but it is full of depth. Depth, excuse me, that Jesus has come and provided us a means of salvation. And we must receive him for who he is and what he is, that he is son of God, fully God, fully man, that he took on flesh. The fact and the reality of, it, of the incarnation is not something that I can simply explain. But it, we, we come and we rest and we trust in him as our prophet, priest, and king. That he does all of this perfectly. And that he's the only one who is able to do it perfectly. And as we receive him, as we believe in his name, we gain one of the highest Rights. We often talk about rights, right? We, we love rights in America. We, we have the Bill of Rights, right? What does the Bill of, Bill of Rights tell us? These are our inalienable rights. Well, when we come in Christ, we gain a right. And that right is to become children of God. You gain the right to become a child of God. And this is the greatest possible privilege that there is. Now, if you're sitting in this room today and you're a child, you might go, I don't like being a child. And you might say something like this, being a child means that I have to be told what to do. I don't like being told what to do. Being a child means that I'm not in control and I don't like being not in control What is such a good thing about being a child? That gives someone else power over me, right? What does it mean? And the sad reality is, because kids, I'm not picking on you. That's what we as adults like to do with God, right? I don't like having to obey. I don't like having to do what you're asking me to do all the time. But God comes as father. Father. Some will argue that this means that God is the father of, the Bible teaches God is the father of everyone, that he is everyone's father, but this is not supported biblically. In fact, he's going to go on to say, hey, there are some who are not children of God, who have not believed in me, who have not received me, who are not born of uh, blood, or who are born of blood and not of, and born of flesh, but not of uh, God. There are those who are not, children of god but for those who are children of god they become children through faith in christ sinclair ferguson says it this way this is a basic assumption of the christian gospel we are not by nature children of god we need to become his children by nature we are alienated from god not one of us possesses by nature the characteristics of of a child of God. Instead, we show all the signs of rebelling against him and turning away from his fatherly rule over our lives. When we come and have faith in him, God confers upon us a status change. You are not the same as you were. And as children, you have great privileges. It's hard for me not in this week uh, when talking about becoming children, th- thinking about this idea of adoption to not think of my own children. Uh, of course, as some of you may have noticed as he's bounced around today, uh, Josiah turns five today. Uh, but just a few days after Joe was born, five years ago, it be this Wednesday, um, we were standing in the courthouse, somewhat bedraggled, somewhat tired. As I stood before the judge... And adopted Gracie and Ashton, who's in the nursery, um, as my children. And as they became my children, they got all the rights and privileges of being my children. Now, they're by no means uh, close to being the same great privileges of being children of God, but they still got the privileges of being my children. They gained a greater family. And a whole myriad of cousins. And they gained grandparents. And they gained a father. They gained a family. That brought them here and it gained them this family. Because they're my children. Because they're adopted. And it's not only in a a general sense, but in a legal sense. So now if you were to go to my house today and I was to pull out the birth certificate that that was originally printed on the day they were born, it says my name. It says Luann and Daniel Levengood. They are my children, as if they were always my children. They're mine. You, when you come to faith in Christ... Have the same change. You're no longer children of wrath. You're no longer children of this world. You are children of the living God, and your name changes. And we receive the privilege of God's fatherly love for us. We find that love, the the fatherly love that we crave. That is so oftentimes failing in this world. We find in him. We receive his gracious care. So even as we've looked even in some of our prayers this morning, he knows the number of hairs on your head. He provides for you even as he provides for the birds of the field or the birds of the sky. Yes, as children, he even provides for you discipline. You know, it's one of those aspects of adoption. Probably my kids would go, why did we have to get disciplined with adoption? But it's the way we love them and we seek to grow them and nurture them. Even as the writer of Hebrews says, for the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. God shows his love for us by saying, I'm not content to allow you to stay who you were I'm going to discipline you and make you like me. To make you more like me. Not only this, but we're heirs to his kingdom, to the eternal glory, glory, all eternity with him. We have access to his throne room as children. You might come in the office and you might... Look, oh, is Daniel back in his office? Can I go back there? There might be some hesitation. Tell you what, Joe does not have that hesitation. When Joe comes in this, he runs back there. He runs behind the desk and he jumps up on my lap. Why? Because he's my son. Because he has that right. He has that access. And guess what? You are God's child if you are in him. And you have the same access to him. We don't have to tiptoe into the presence of God, do we? Is it okay? Can I, can I come back? Are you busy? No, we going to come boldly into his presence in prayer. We have this intimate access to him. This is the privilege for all those who are called children of God. And we must be bold in exercising those privileges. Because guess what? You receive them on the authority and the finished work of Jesus Christ. He has given these to you through his death and resurrection. So that you can speak to God as Christ speaks to him. We should boldly exercise these privileges. The question is, are we? Are we taking advantage of the privileges that we have in Christ? Are we living as children of the living God? We cannot receive our adoption timidly or half-heartedly. It would be a tragic thing if I adopted my daughters and then treated them as if they were guests in my house. Or if it would be tragic if they acted as guests in my house. There was a, a moment with Ashton where we finally had to say, and she, for a long time she held on. She said, I'm going to call you Daniel. I'm going to call you Daniel. And after the adoption I said, no more. I'm dad. No longer address me as Daniel. She needed to learn. Something had changed. Something definitive was done. And it has to change us. It has to shape us. We see in this the change of faith. So the right of faith being that we are children and that, that right has to change us. Faith in Christ makes the great distinction and grants the highest privilege. Spiritual rebirth is something that John is often going to talk about in, in his gospel. In fact, one of the, the, one of the great texts of this is the encounter with Nicodemus, right? You have to be born again. Um, b- being born again is something that we often hear in our culture, right? I think, And in some ways, we could argue, probably rightly so, We've, it's become a little bit trite in our culture, this, this, this statement. Well, you need to be born again. What is it, I'm a born-again believer. What does that mean? Well, let's think about that. What does it mean to be born? First off, we see this. When you're just talking about a birth, uh, and Jordan probably can testify to this today. That little baby is not doing anything to be born, Right? We don't have any part in our birth. Our parents meet. They produce us. And we become their children. The same in a, in a fashion is true for our Heavenly Father. We become children because he has created new life in us. We enter into God's family because we're born of God. Notice what he says here. You're not Born of blood, you're not born of will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. You are born of God. So this is why Paul in Ephesians 1 can write this. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to to the purpose of his will. God has chosen us for adoption. So that we are not born out of the flesh. And when we think about how we communicate a new life in Christ. It's not simply trying to stir up in people emotion. We're not born of the flesh trying to bring people to tears and produce change. It's not what transforms God's children. We must not be born of the flesh. And we also must not be born of the will of men. And so we cannot contrive any method or means by which people are born again. It's not simply making a decision. It's not simply filling out a card. It's not simply walking an aisle. Change is supernatural in nature. We are supernaturally born again through God's word. So that we respond to this saving faith. It's the great problem that Nicodemus had, and I don't want to talk too much about it, or I just will have to skip the sermon on it. Uh, But he says, Well, how can I be born again? How can I enter again into my mother's womb and come out again? Jesus says, You're missing the point. You must be born again supernaturally, not by any will of man, not by the flesh. Not of blood. You must be born of God. Then what do we do? How are we born of God? And the answer is, you must receive him by faith. You must receive him as he has proclaimed himself to you in his word. Because God's word is spiritual life. We ask God in prayer to reveal himself to our hearts. So that we can receive him. We must have new and godly desires. A new understanding of life and eternity. Uh, To be born of God is not simply to have all your problems go away. It's not an easy fix. not even to have all our sinful tendency removed but it's to have the spiritual ability and the desire to know God to worship him to do his will and this only can happen by the spirit working and bringing new life in you so that we stop living for the things of this world so that we stop living for the flesh and we live for God we live in a manner worthy of our family As we are children, there is no greater change in our life. The reality is this, that if Joe's been on this life for five years, that means the girls have been adopted for five years. And the reality is that you look at them, they're changed. They're different people than they were. And much of it is is simply Because of their status. They had a mom previously who worked all the time. She was a single mom. What else was she going to do? They didn't have a father in their life. And their adoption changed all that. So they had a mom who was at home who could be with them. They had a father who loved and cares for them. Who disciplined them and tries to grow them in, in their faith. Imperfectly, yes, but it changed them. And that's just a small glimpse of the change that we have in him. Because everything that's wrong with me, and, and you know me, there's a lot wrong with me. I'm, by no means is my adopting of these two beautiful girls uh, even close to what God has done. But for all that's wrong with me, none of that is wrong with God. And so his adoption is Perfect. And so hopefully one day uh, my, my children can look at me and go, yeah, my, our father was imp- imperfect. But we have a heavenly father who has loved us and cared for us. And so we have a new father in him. We have a new brother in Christ. And he joins us. He unites us to him and to one another so that we have this new family of faith. that's what we are. We are a family united together in the bonds of Christ. That we are adopted as sons and daughters. That we are children of the living God. But this by necessity means that we must be different. We must stop living for the things of this world. We cannot have a faith that is content in small things. We cannot have a faith that's content in doing just enough. We must put the old man to death. We must put on Christ. We must no longer allow the world, the flesh, and the devil to have influence and sway over our lives. Because we are no longer children of this world. We are no longer children of wrath. We are children of God. It is a great hope and a great joy. I have loved going through and I'm and, and loving going through this prologue of John because there is so much here. To all who did receive him, who believed in his name. He gave the right, the right to become children of God. you believe that? Do you believe that you're a child of God? Then you must have a faith. You must be marked by faith in Jesus Christ understanding the right that you've been given the privileges that come with being sons and daughters that you are changed and understand this it's not i'm not standing here saying you need to be changed that may be true if you don't know him but if you are in him you are changed the question is are you living According to what you are? Are you living according to what you are? Your identity is new, it's different. You are united to Christ. Are you living knowing that God is your Father? That you are different, that you have a new identity, a new purpose. One that is united in Him, one that seeks to give Him glory in all of your life? Or are you looking back to the empty, sinful wasteland that was the world, or that is the world, and clinging on to it? We must give up all else, for we have a new identity in Him. We are adopted, we are children. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let's live as children. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you for the grace that you have given to us through Jesus Christ. We thank you for the wonderful privilege it is to be called sons and daughters. Oh, Lord, would this wonderful gospel truth not grow cold in our hearts? Would it not be something that we treat with half-heartedness or whatever it may be let us come and understand who we are and live for you would your spirit be working in us this we ask and pray in jesus holy name amen